better shape you were in. And I think if you have kind of that stubborn mentality, that that goes a long way too, because you know it's not easy coming out of surgery and rehab from surgery. Um, but I think having that mindset of you know what this isn't going to stop. You know, I'll run into people like that that have just that that mindset that they're going to get better, that they're going to work through it, they're going to you know they just tend to tend to do better. Did you know that we each lose a different amount of electrolytes in our sweat, largely based on our genetics? That means that there's no one-size-fits-all perfect sports drink for everybody because we each have unique needs. That's why we at Solpre developed the Sync Hydration System, a series of sports drinks to help match you with the personal level of electrolytes that you need. If you'd like us to help you match with your perfect sports drink, go to solpre.com slash hydration dash quiz. That's solpre.com slash hydration dash quiz. Welcome to the Smart Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Funk. My guest today has over 25 years experience in sports medicine, physical therapy. He has his PhD in holistic nutrition. He is currently a guest lecturer for Ohio State's physical therapy program and the coordinator of their tactical rehab program, of Ohio State's sports medicine program that is. Welcome to the show, Dr. Chris Kolba. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure to be here and I appreciate the uh, invitation to, to come on uh, come on the show and uh, talk. Yeah, absolutely. So like um, for you, the listener, uh, if you've been around with me for a long time, uh, this is season four now. Um, I think, Chris, you're like a episode 158, 159, something like that. Um, in the beginning of the show, I spoke with a lot more, I guess I'll say like academicians and, and researchers. And I, you are to me kind of right in that intersection between where I've been lately and like where I started in that you still kind of live in that college world, but obviously like much more applied, you know, practice instead of like just doing the research side. So you fit, you fit just perfectly right snugly in, in yeah. the people that I like to talk to. So, um, you know, thanks for joining me. And uh, thanks for, you know, I didn't say this before we got going. Um, so for you, the listener, sorry for, for, for making you sit through this, but um, Chris was gracious enough to reschedule. Uh, my wife and I just had a new baby a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and, congrats, man. Yeah, so you were, <laughs> you were scheduled for like, the day after she was born. And yeah. I was like, I think I need to take a couple of weeks off before I get yeah. back to this. Um, so thanks for the, you know, the coordination and getting rescheduled and everything. Yeah, um, no so uh, as I mentioned before we got recording, although I know you've got a real deep history in your profession, I don't really have lots of nice little tidbits from like social profiles and stuff. Cause that's not really what you do. Um, so I may want to just start at the beginning and ask, um, how did you get where you are? I guess if you want to take us back to like maybe undergrad, even if you want to go that yeah. far, and, and and you know the journey, I guess to to get where you are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it started you know high school. You know, they start t- talking about what do you want to do for the rest of your life, and I, I, mean, I had no idea. You know? <laughs> right. I was, I was kind of clueless, you know, honestly. So uh, went to community college for two years, just taking the gen ed, just trying to figure it out, thinking at that time, way back when business computers were starting to get big. So I'm thinking, oh, that's where I'm going to go. Boring as hell. Like it wasn't really clicking for me. Yeah. Just 
ran, ran into was working uh, with a girl that we started talking about physical therapy and sounded kind of interesting. Always been involved in sports and liked exercise. So I did a little research and said, hey, that's that sounds like what I want to do. Transferred over to Ohio University and, uh, you know, the rest is history. And I was fortunate, you know, after graduating to get into uh, a pretty good size uh, sports medicine clinic with some people that were really kind of, you know, thinking forward and, and doing a lot of things, you know, uh, from that perspective, really, you know, educated me a lot on, you know, functional training and strength training and diving into the NSCA, getting my uh, strength and conditioning certification and just really starting to pull those principles into, um, you know, the physical therapy realm uh, really kind of set me off. And I've always been, you know, a, a good, I guess, learner, but, you know, then just getting outside the box of physical therapy and just continually always trying to figure out how can I do things better, you know, continue education, reading, you know, now with the internet, you know, it's, it, it's great. So just through all that, just kind of a little bit of being in the right place at the right time and just being fortunate to get around people that were a lot smarter than me and, and open to kind of helping and teaching me and challenging me. And, uh, you know, and then have a little motivation myself, like finally in college, once I figured out what I wanted to do, then that motivation, desire, my drive kicked in and, you know, really just kind of hammered away. And, you know, like I said, a couple of times being in the right place at the right time in terms of, you know, sports and clinics, clinics within sports performance centers, which is kind of where I was and where I'm at now in, in my uh, clinic. Uh, it's been great. And that's kind of, kind of how I've gotten to, to where I am now, I guess. So one thing I want to think about is, you know, I, you met, you just mentioned, and I think you're involved in teaching continuing education courses is thinking about like how the fields changed over the course of your career. Cause I think it's in some ways, I think it's easy to go, uh, you know, rehab is rehab, right? You know, you need to strengthen the muscle and make it stronger. It's weak or, 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 you know, if you have a stress fracture, okay, rest. And then we do you know, this to try to strengthen the bone over time, whatever it is. But I know like even um, even in my tenure of being an athlete and getting injured, um, I've seen a shift from like strictly going like concentric exercises to like eccentric loading. And like that's over the last 10 years or so, I think I've seen a lot more emphasis, you know, recently on just eccentric loading to, you know, help rehab uh, muscles so that they, don't get injured as easily when you come back. Um, I'm obviously you'll correct me on the intricacies of that, but just how has the field changed for you over time? Yeah. So when I, when I first came out, everything was kind of all about isolating everything, you know, because if you think about strength training, it comes out of the bodybuilding world. So right. you know, even in therapy, we were isolating things, doing single plane stuff, and there's still a place for that. You know, isokinetics was really big. We strapped people in machines and we kicked and pulled and again the foot's off the ground and you know we, we got some data in terms of strength and you know that's how we made some of our decisions and then you know we started to see the pendulum shift a little bit into that whole functional training closed kinetic chain movement where now we're kind of started to appreciate the fact that you know when the foot's on the ground the body's moving over it in all three planes of motion working against gravity ground reaction forces and momentum like things are a lot different the muscle actions are different the speeds are different you know, the lows, the forces are different. So we started, you know, shifting our approach to physical therapy from that perspective. And then just looking at more of that functional, I say, quote unquote, functional um, aspect. And things have just kind of continued to grow, and grow from that perspective to, to where we are now. And now it's, 
you know, some things kind of get recycled, but, uh, you know, now we're still considering performance and function, but, you know, what are the best ways to do that? You know, eccentric lengthening, you know, when you're looking at tendinopathies, which are just degeneration of the tendons and muscles, our diagnostic capabilities from the, from the imaging and physician sides have, have advanced, our surgeries have advanced. So our understanding of some of these pathologies um, have improved, which then have improved our ability to, um, you know, do our rehab. So from my perspective, I've always kind of been that rogue guy trying to, trying to do things a little differently than everybody else, you know, in terms of, you know, applying strength and conditioning principles, really, you know, taking the functional training to the nth degree of fortunate to be around, you know, guys like Gary Gray that have really taught me how to think like that and apply, you know, rehab like that. And um, so I think that's kind of where kind of we've changed, but there's definitely been a huge growth. I've been fortunate to kind of live through those phases, you know, kind of where, you know, let's say early on in my career, like they started putting the scope into the shoulder. So now we have a greater understanding of this whole continuum of micro instability to full instability of the surgeries that we have. So kind of at that point now with the hip. So I got to, got to go through that. I got to go through the accelerated ACL rehabilitation phase, the closed kinetic chain phase, the functional phase, you know, so now we're just, I think, you know, just continuing to fine tune those things. So from the time I started to now, it's been huge, huge differences. And I, and I, again, same, you know, I try to teach those principles in my continuing education classes that I do. So I try to make things pretty practical, but try to bring that side of it to it. Cause in school, they do a great job of teaching us how to manage the acute subacute phases of kind of healing and rehab. Mm-hmm. But again, due to time and all the other things we have to cover, we don't always get into that advanced phase. So what happens when you get the athlete? What happens when you get that person that's relatively pain-free? They're starting to move around a little bit, applying those advanced concepts of strength and conditioning and function aren't always there. And if you haven't been around people or taken some education classes that have kind of exposure to that way of thinking you know you don't always kind of pick it up to the nth degree so um that's right try to kind of really with the students in the clinic students i work you know or come in contact with continuing education try to really get them to see that part of it so you know even though like for schooling we have to do certain things over here realize this whole other side of the world is here so when you get out you can go and start to seek that information so there's like I'm 30 years in now. I'm still learning. I'm still trying to find new and better ways of doing what I, you know, want to do, getting people better. So, I mean, there's a whole world out there so that, you know, the learning is just nonstop if you, you know, go out and go out and seek that. So that's kind of what I try to do with a lot of the students and um, in the course of teach, at least introduce that concept of kind of thinking or uh, moving towards that uh, progressions of, of, of exercise and attaining the goals that people want to get to. One of the things you made me think about, um, talking about how loads change and how, how the um, the demands on a particular, let's say, was injured, now rehabbed um, muscle is as you know, people return to sport, whatever sport that is, um, is the uh, potential for re-injury. Now, this is something that I spoke with um, podiatrist uh, Mark Gallagher back on episode 125. Um, so if you saw my eyes wandering around the screen, I was trying to look up Mark's episode number because I didn't have it just off the top of my head. Um, and one of the things I talked about him, I, I asked him, and I like to ask people like him and you about is like, how do you get people to continue 
let's say the rehab or prehab or like the, the routines that they need to, to prevent injury. Cause I, I know when I spoke with him, he said, that's the most difficult thing is getting people once they go, I feel good. I've returned to my sport, getting them to continue to do that, like maintenance work that really makes the world a difference in, in not seeing them come back into the clinic. Yeah, no, I would, I would agree that that home exercise program that, that we kind of, that terminology that we use probably is the hardest thing to do. So I think for me, again, what I try to do is kind of focus on what, what do you want to get back to doing? Like, I want to get back to running or playing with the kids. Like, okay, in order to do that, let's take running, for example. Every time your foot hits the ground, that's six to eight times your body weight. You're doing that over whatever distance. So if you're not keeping your strength up, you know, eventually that's going to break down. And as you start to age, your strength is going to start to diminish unless you're training it. So I try to try to emphasize the fact that strength is trainable throughout a lifespan balance, proprioception. We also lose as we get older, mm -hmm. understand falling, but they don't always understand, Hey, I can train my balance. So trying to give them some controls, trying to give some appreciation to, you know, tying it into keeping them doing what it is they want to do. And then I also kind of throw in, hey, if you want to be truly functional and independent as you get older, strength and balance are going to be going to be your key. I mean, look at, you know, look at your parents or look at your grandparents, you know, maybe your grandparents exercise wasn't that big of a deal back in the day. You know, and you see them progressively struggle with day to day activities. I think Peter Atia, I've heard him talk on a podcast one, one, one time and he's like, you know, what does it look like to be a kick-ass 100-year-old? You know, I got to be able to climb stairs, get up and down from the floor, lift the grandkids, you know, carry groceries. So, mm -hmm. you know, people want to be independent. People want to be, you know, enjoy those older uh, golden years, I guess we can call them. We don't want to be brown and crusty, right? Um, so I try to tie that into the fact that you need to, to maintain strength and that balance. So, those are the things I, I try to like educate people on and try to get them to kind of wrap their head around why they should continue to, to strength train and do some balance training um, from that perspective. Because not only is it going to help them with their sport activity, but it's really also going to help them in life, like for maintaining that independence. So I think of like building kind of your strength and your conditioning, your is kind of an insurance policy. So you know, if your fitness level is up here, this is the minimum level to just be independent. Mm -hmm. Sustain an injury, you might drop down a little bit, but you have enough reserve, strength, power, balance to be able to then just kind of bounce back up. But if you're just one of those folks that's just getting by, you know, you're not very strong, you know, you don't sleep well, you don't eat well, all of a sudden you have a, a decent injury or, you know, maybe you break a hip, break a knee, or not break a knee, break an ankle, whatever it might be. All of a sudden now you drop below that level now you're in an assisted living home. Like, and you probably can't, you don't have enough ability to get back up over the hump because you've kind of gone too far down that rabbit hole. So I try to kind of, in a nice way, kind of talk a little bit about that and why that is just really so important, at least just from a life perspective. So, you know, and, and as I think about that, what, what's interesting, I think kind of like we were talking about before, we got going. I, I've been dealing with uh, Achilles tendinosis this year and, and rehabbing and stuff, and I'm trying to get back to running. I mean, I've been running, but just it's a continual progression of trying to run, but not run too much and doing the rehab and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, 
thinking about like, how do you end up in this place of, you know, talking about what does it, what does it look like to be a, a fit 100 year old? I think about the mentality of like my own father who will be uh, 80 at his next birthday um, and, you know, other older people I've spoken with and, and they often say the phrase of like, I don't feel old. I just, my, my body's getting old, like mentally. And, and that makes me think about the idea that like how internally, psychologically, that I, I think we perceive ourselves probably more static than we are. Like I am this thing, I'm not changing. And I think I was probably uh, subject to this as well, where I'm like, you know, in my mind, like, you know, I was a collegiate athlete and I pride myself on being a runner and all these kind of things. And I've done these things, but I'm not in that kind of shape anymore. But I still have this like image of myself. And I think that happens with many of us, especially as people get older, when they don't implement those like strength training programs to maintain the strength, because it's like, well, I've always been able to get upstairs. Like why, you know, why would I not, why would I have had problems getting upstairs? Like, yeah, but age deteriorated you to a point where now you can't get upstairs because you didn't do the thing and I, I think that's to me that seems like the mentality to try to like overcome is the the idea or like inherent feeling of we're these static creatures since we're not right yeah I mean I, and I think you know it, it happens you know you, you know you go through college you probably you know you're training a lot you're exercising maybe a little bit after college you know then all of a sudden you get married, you have kids, job takes off, 10 years goes by like that. And you're like, darn, I haven't done anything in 10 years. I have this big belly. I just feel like crap. You know, I'm not sleeping well. And then, so it's easy to, you know, and the body's resilient. I tell people, look, you're going to, you know, you may be able to get away with this for a long time, but eventually you're going to lose the war, but the body's an extremely resilient thing. So we can still get up and go every morning. It's just all of a sudden now, 50 55 we wake up we're like man i'm really feel like i feel really feel crummy like you know i just can't move around like i used to and, and you're right so I, I i try to get people to again try not to get too far off the path try not to go too far down the rabbit hole but you know we can build strength we can build balance at any age right it's just that you know the farther down that rabbit hole you go the harder it is the more work it takes you know you look at some of these people when you look at obesity and stuff that are it's a it's a very frustrating you know they work their tails off they lose 10 pounds but like they still have a lot more to go like so you know that's it's, it can be very frustrating because again it's you know our body doesn't like to lose weight and it doesn't like to gain weight so it's not you know it's not as easy as oh just start an exercise program and you're going to feel great it takes some time and dedication and you know consistency and it can be very frustrating for people like you know i take it for granted just because i've been in it for so long and with the physical therapy background, I understand like some of those things and I've kind of kept with it, but uh, you know, your average person trying to figure out what to do and how to do it. it I mean, you know, it can be very frustrating, which you see every January, right? The gym's packed. Everyone's all over the place. Like people just looking around, they don't know what to do. They're just following what other people are doing. And then all of a sudden, you know, March it's empty again, you know, cause it's not as easy as just go exercise. There's a method, there's, you know, there's a method, there's a, progress or program to whatever the goal is to get there and i unfortunately a lot of people just don't don't get it because they don't have that information or know somebody that can give it to them so yeah yeah it, it makes me think about um 
comedian Patrice O'Neill, uh, may he rest in peace. Uh, he had he has this like bit about so he had um, he's a really overweight guy. He had diabetes. And he talked about he has this bit about like going to the gym and like just having this mo like this this epiphany moment where he's like I'm gonna you know I'm gonna change my life. And then just talking about the difficulty of like going to the gym, he's doing all this work and put it in and, you know, put in the time and then being like, and I, I look the same, nothing changed. Like I just, I needed a dimple or something like something needed to be different. I, I, that mentality is so tough. I think that's where people fall off the wagon. Cause it's like, it really is such a time game yeah. and you've got to be consistent over time and you got to be able to put in the work when you don't see anything happening and that is what's so tough it's like because you put in the work and if you don't see results for all the work you're putting in you're like why the hell am i doing this i'm putting myself through all this stuff but there are changes happening you just don't necessarily you know appear all at once or consequently like sometimes people will lose a lot of weight quickly and then they'll plateau and then that plateau is like you know, roadblock and then they fall off the wagon and it just that again, just the mind games we kind of have to play with ourselves to try to get us to, to do the right thing to take care of ourselves. Yeah. Um, it's so tough. I, I, I it, the other thing you reminded me of was, I don't know who did the study, but I know I saw this study about um, the correlation, obviously not causation. We know there's a difference, but just the correlation between like overall body strength at midlife, I don't know if it was 40 or 45 um, that they took it and then longevity, that there's a very strong correlation between the two. Um, and it seems like, as you were mentioning, like that, that ability to be resilient over time against life and the injuries and the, the crap that happens to us, you know, I would think that body strength has a big play in that i mean people that at least i think please correct me people that are generally in better physical shape like if they have surgery often recover faster than people who are not almost regardless of like the kind of surgery yeah no i, I would agree 100 percent. you know we'll see obviously athletes that come in they have surgery i mean they, they come back pretty quick some of it's obviously they may be a little bit younger but at any rate, I think two things. Yeah, the better shape you were in. And I think if you have kind of that stubborn mentality, that that goes a long way too. Because, you know, it's not easy coming out of surgery and rehabbing from surgery. Um, but I think having that mindset of, you know what, this isn't going to stop. You know, I'll run into people like that that have just that that mindset that they're going to get better, that they're going to work through it. They're going to, you know, they just tend to, tend to do better. So I think that's a uh, definitely two big things of it. Cause when you think about the other, I've seen some other studies where, um, you know, they've talked about the two is it in, in, I don't know, it's indicators of uh, mortality or foot speed and uh, strength. So for example, you know, the example, like walking along, catch your foot. Can you get your foot out fast enough in front of you to catch yourself? And then can you generate enough force at the right time, rate of force development to stop yourself from, falling down, breaking your hip, developing pneumonia. And good majority of the cases, we know what happens at uh, the end of that story. Um, so yeah, talking about like speed and, and, and strength. So there's definitely cor- correlation uh, between that and mortality as well, because a lot of older folks that do fall, break their hip, develop pneumonia, 
fortunately, you know, like I said, a high percentage of them end up passing on after that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think I think maintaining, you know, that strength is is you know one of the biggest things I really preach about, I guess, uh, from that perspective at this point in time. So if somebody has, I would I wouldn't say fallen off the fallen off the wagon. If maybe somebody have never even been on the wagon. Yeah. How, how do you get them there? I mean, say say that they're listening to this and either they've stopped their you know routine or they want to get started but they're like how do i get started obviously there's only one of you we can't just send you out to each and every person that might need your help yeah you know how how do we get get people started and you know keep them with the program yeah i mean i think i mean there's there's a, a lot of great trainers out there you know it's a matter of just sometimes finding you know through word of mouth or or whatnot some of this has some success so obviously that's a important to, to kind of guide you to kind of give you that pro because again you, most people res will respond to anything it's kind of once you get past that initial phase things plateau that's where kind of having someone to kind of change your program manipulate sets rep whatever it might be to kind of keep you moving through those plateaus and then the other thing I, I try to stress to people is like just keep it simple like just drink more water and if you're not drinking any water now just drink a cup or two to start with you know, eat a few more vegetables. Instead of having two Snickers in the afternoon, have one. Like, just make small changes. Try to sleep a little bit more. Because I think people get overwhelmed with all these mm -hmm. and all the, you know, everyone's telling them, oh, you should be doing this. You should eat this. Keep it simple. Try to drink a little bit more water. Try to get some more fruits and vegetables in. You know, try to cut down on some of the junk food. You know, it's not going to happen overnight. And, and try to sleep better. I mean, if anything, sleep is, I mean, we continue to, um, understand how important sleep is, especially for when it comes to weight loss, uh, try to sleep a little bit more. And then once you've mastered those things, then we can start whittling away a little bit. I think, you know, just trying not to get people overwhelmed, I think is, is the key component. But with the exercise, you know, it does take, a you know, somebody to kind of guide you. So if you have a, a friend or a relative that's relatively knowledgeable, you know, they can help you or, you know, find a good personal trainer, at least to kind of get you started you know, and kind of teach you, you know, how to do the exercises, how to do it properly, you know, what are your sets of reps look like, and then the nutrition side of thing without getting too crazy, because I think you mentioned earlier, you know, people go on these crazy diets, they lose a bunch of weight, they, you know, everything stalls out, and then they end up kind of gaining all that weight and more back, we see that yo-yo effect from people that are constantly dieting, that's not good for your overall mortality either, so and again, not to mention it's probably sure it's super frustrating. So um, that's kind of my general kind of recommendations, you know, in terms of just trying to get somebody started, keep it simple, you know, be, be consistent before you're heroic. I love that quote. Um, and again, just, you know, be in it for the long haul. Um, so I think that's, um, I'm writing that quote down just because I like it. Uh, I think that, that, Simplicity, I think, is sometimes difficult and deceptive because I think you see, like, um, say you go to go to the gym. You've never been in the gym before. You go to the gym, and there will invariably be uh, men and women there that are in just incredible shape because they go to the gym all the time and they've probably been doing it for years. And it, or if you just go like even media portrayal, which sometimes is or often 
is uh, unrealistic. You know, if you want to go like Hollywood standards, because they do things to manipulate their bodies, which are not healthy right. or realistic for most people, right. or even them. Uh, but I, I think you, because of that, that perception of like, here I am, and there they are, and there's this like, such a vast goal for what it feels like such a vast gulf between the two you get this like all or nothing mentality where it's like mm -hmm. you get there and you're you're pumped you're motivated you've you've seen you've read your motivational quotes you've you've you know, heard the speeches you're ready to go you got your, you get your jock jams going on in your ears you're all ready to work out got your kale smoothie everything's yep. going but then like you forget that you don't necessarily have the systems and habits in place to maintain that. You know, I don't know how many times, um, I like comedians. So I, I, this, there's this comedian, uh, Burt Kreischer, who has the hardest time losing weight. Um, and he, he'll talk about how he's basically a maniac where he'll like, he'll be like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to lose weight. And he'll just like only eat a salad for breakfast. And then, you know, he's kind of starving by lunch, but he's, he's holding on. And then by dinner, it, like the wheels fall off and he's like, I had five cheeseburgers and I got right. a pizza. And like, yeah, it, that's that thing where you go like, I'm all in, but you don't have the habits and systems to maintain it. Because when you go, I'm only going to eat salads. Well, now you're not taking in enough calories and like, you're starving yourself and you're going to make yeah. like, your brain's going to like basically fry and start screaming at you going, we need something like anything and, 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 and what's your option? You're going to go back to the thing you knew, which was, you know, burgers and fries or whatever it was that, what, you know, was your habit before, instead of trying to, like you said, I, I loved it. You said, instead of having two Snickers, just have one. Right. Like it's not even, it's not even, let's go have a kale salad. It's just like, just cut out maybe one, one treat. Right. And I think that that's a hard sell too, is when you tell people you need to eat more, they're like, what? Yeah. Or I'm like, if you're not, you know, if you're not giving your body, it's, it's going to slow the metabolism down. So they say, I think if you, if you decrease your caloric intake by 20%, your metabolism slows down. So then not only do you not lose weight, you may even gain weight. So it, it's hard. Another hard thing for people to wrap their head around when I tell them, Hey, you need, you're probably not eating enough when they, yeah, they tell me, oh, I ate a salad for lunch. I, I had a banana for breakfast or yogurt. And then I do a little something for uh, dinner. And I'm like, it's not enough, especially if you're like training on top of it. Mm -hmm. I talk to like athletes and stuff like that. Guys aren't, you know, I don't mean to sound that way, but guys typically don't have that problem. They just eat like crazy. It's usually the, the females, the female athletes that talk about like body composition that they struggle with like having to eat more, understanding the fact that you have to eat more. But then yeah. going back to your thought on the, on the gym, the other thing I'll, I'll try to tell people to do too is when they go to the gym, because again, just look around. Not everybody there is buff and spandexed out. The majority of people are average. Mm -hmm. You're not alone. Like, you know, just be consistent, take it slow steps and just look around. Don't just focus on the people that are like super fit. Because again, just like focusing on the media, it's, you're just going to get, it's just maybe not realistic for you. Focus on, just look around everybody else because every, most, probably 75% of the people in the gym are just average or they're where you are trying to get, trying to do better, whatever, whatever it may be. So my neighbor is a great example. Like, you know, he decided he's going to start working out. So I, I, I took him to the gym. I just showed him how to do, we just stuck with the machines, the simple circuit. He walks on the treadmill. 
He's like, I'm not really looking to lose weight. I don't think I will, but you know, I do feel a little stronger. I just feel a little bit better. And then we just talked about, you know, drinking some more water and then, you know, I don't harp on him about, you know, food per se right now. And he does okay. So it's just keep it simple. Like, and, and don't focus on the wrong things. Like you said, don't focus on the, you know, the uh, media star that's all jacked for his movie role. I mean, there's a lot of other things in play or, or the, you know, the 25% of people in the gym that are actually really fit. It's not, that's not you, at least not right now. So don't focus on that, you know? So those yeah. are also useful advice for, for people. Well, and that's, but again, it's, it's, I'm interested in the mind. So I like to talk about that aspect. Cause I think, you know, we, I think most people know diet and exercise is going to be good for you. Right. I don't, I don't think if maybe you'll correct me, but I think if, when you talk to clients, I don't think you say, let's work on your diet and exercise. And they go, Oh my God, I, I never would have thought of that. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah such people a, know. <laughs> right. So I don't think it's like people are unaware, but just the part people are unaware about. And again, I'm not I'm trying to put words in your mouth, but just I'm, I'm taking a guess is just like the nuance of, Hey man, if you just like drink, drink eight glasses of water a day, instead of only drinking Mountain Dew, you're probably going to feel better. Like you do. You don't even have to go to the gym. Right, yeah. <laughs> Just drink the water. Exactly. And, and how, again, this is the tough part, talking about, you know, Patrice's bit and everything, are just incremental gains. Because it doesn't, you don't go from overweight to like Jack Movie Star, even in a year. Like it, it takes a long time. Mm-hmm. And incremental gains, especially the invisible ones, uh, aerobic improvement. Yeah. Um, you know, minor strength improvement, mobility, flexibility, like that. It's, I feel like that's really hard to demonstrate to people. No, yeah. I mean, I, I agree. And I was, I was just thinking about something you said a minute ago and just, um, uh, what was it now? Uh, I said a lot of things. <laughs> I know. I, I, it was one of those things like we talked about before. Like I had it in my mind. I should have wrote it down. I was, yeah. And, uh, and then it got away from me. Oh, um, it's, yeah, it's primarily, most people know that eating right and exercising is good for them. I think it, it comes down to the, to the discipline. You know, people just either don't want to for whatever reason, and, and they just don't have the discipline to do it. So I think one of the things that has helped me is just the discipline. So, I mean, I've been in martial arts since I was 15. I think that really instilled, you know, that sense of discipline in me when I figured out kind of what I wanted to do that assisted in being disciplined and focused on, you know, where I wanted to go, what I needed to do with my schoolwork. Uh, and that's also kind of like same thing with my fitness. You know, people look at me and say, Oh, you're just a fitness nut. I'm like, not really. Like I'm 80, 20, like 80% of the time I'll, I'll pay attention to what I eat. Uh, I, I do exercise regularly all the time. And the other 20%, I don't care. If I want to eat a whole pizza, I eat it, but I'm not going to do that every single day. Right. So I think that also helps people like, really? So then they realize you know, you don't have to be super disciplined. Like you can have a little bit of leeway, just, you know, keep it in moderation. But again, that consistency thing, the discipline, making decision to do it and then sticking with it. But yeah, I think you're, you hit the nail on the head there. I think it's mostly just comes down to, to just discipline uh, of doing it or locking into doing it. A lot of people nowadays, they, they, they just don't, they just don't want to do it. Or maybe they don't really understand the long-term implication. And then later on in life, like, oh, Shit, maybe I should have done some of that, but yeah, you know, yeah. 
Well, when, I mean, we as humans, with some exceptions, and these people tend to do well, we as humans are typically very bad planners. <laughs> like we're not good at perceiving, you know, future implications of current actions. I mean, the closer it is, the easier it is. But when you start talking years, decades down the road, it's so imperceivable, especially the younger you are, right? Because say you're 20 and you're like, yeah, but when you're 70, like, well, that's, that's almost four lifetimes from now. You know, if you're only 20, multiply by four, I guess it would be 80, but so three and a half lifetimes. It's such a long time. So you go, well, I don't care. I'm going to go out drinking with the, with, with the guys. Like it's, you know, that's what I'm doing every weekend, you know, all the time, even though it may be detrimental to my health. I'm young. I bounce back. I don't. Yeah. And it's that like inability to perceive. I think that's, that's very difficult. Um, I do want to make a little bit of a hard juxtaposition because I want to ask you about this. Um, you were talking about um, you work with uh, 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 firemen, police officers on rehab, prehab, performance, that kind of stuff. Um, so I kind of want to ask you about what what specific needs they have. What does that kind of program look like? Because um, obviously yeah. those are both very physical jobs. Um, but again, I, you know, obviously I think firemen probably get more credit culturally for being in shape versus there's, you know, the perception of like the doughy police officer that likes to right, eat right. donuts. Um, yeah. Even though, uh, gosh, Chris, what was his last time? I, I have a very early episode with a, a really cool police officer on the, the show. We go back to, uh, go back to season one, the playlist in season one, you'll find it. Chris, yeah. I can't remember his last name right now, but um, can, can you talk to me about that that program what what you can do with the, with the uh, men and women and, and yeah. what that kind of looks yeah. like started like pretty early on in my career like when I I just happened to have a few police officers I was working with and I was already pulling the strength and conditioning in I had the martial arts background I, I was thinking like hey these guys need to be able to like fight to go back to work so I'm like hmm probably should incorporate some of the combat type of stuff so started again, just doing the functional stuff, the, the progressive, you know, overloading of the strength training and then adding that combat piece. And then all of a sudden, you know, they started referring, referring, referring. And then all of a sudden I was seeing a regular group of, of that population, just started to get to know more and more people, you know, networking through that, uh, you know, law enforcement around our area. And then I decided, you know, I really want to see more of these people. So I thought I wanted to like, design a program basically it was kind of selfishly to kind of just get more of them in here so and then you know the nsca has the tactical strength and conditioning program came out that's that's kind of i think what spurred me on to maybe formalizing a program and then you know having the background of ohio state and the resources that we have and, and talking to some people maybe it was a perfect fit you know it was a, a an area we do a, do a great job of handling the 18 to 22 year old athlete we wanted to bring that same model to that, you know, first responder population. So through the efforts of myself and some other people, um, you know, we started moving in that direction. So we, you know, we have some um, contacts, like I work pretty regularly with a uh, SWAT team here. I see a lot of uh, our Columbus police officers. We have some cool things going with one of the fire departments out in an area of our town, one of our other clinics. Uh, are doing a lot of cool stuff with them with you know basically just 
first thing we wanted to do is obviously establish a relationship and uh, you know get them access to care. So when you have an injury, instead of just going to the urgent care, you know we have a, a system now where they can call us, text us, we get them right in to see a, an orthopedic sports medicine doctor, get them evaluated, figure out what it is, what they need. If they need therapy, boom, go see Chris, get into therapy, you know, we'll get you back to doing what you need to do because we're going to incorporate running, jumping, lifting, punching, rolling, you know, the jujitsu, ground fighting stuff. And then, you know, started working also then on providing in-servicing, educating them on, you know, strength training, nutrition. We bring in some of our sports psychologists, our sports nutritionists, uh, educating them on that. And then now we're starting to kind of move into kind of the performance piece where, you know, we'll look at, you know, testing strength, power, eye tracking, eye-hand coordination, developing profiles for them is kind of where we're at now to then determine strength and weaknesses and then giving them tools to work on that so that now they're not only better for their fitness, they also are better at their jobs, which require a lot of those tenants. So, um, so we're kind of, again, slowly working out, you know, other agencies are contacting us in our area and, um, that's kind of where we're at. And I kind of see mostly like law enforcement just because most of the guys I know and gals will just refer people in to me. And a lot of the ones I see, you know, have, you know, are usually doing, you know, they're more of the active folks, you know, they're usually doing jujitsu, they do martial arts, you know, they're, uh, you know, involved in training other officers and defensive tactics and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's fun <laughs> from that, uh, from that perspective. So that's kind of where we're at, what I'm kind of doing. And, you know, it's just, we're slowly kind of getting to that point. And, uh, so it's been good. Like, so we just started to kind of start to put in the performance piece with our SWAT guys that we work with. So one of the things I'm kind of curious about, and it sounds like the people you work with are already pretty active, but I think about like, um, I, I, to me, a more kind of stereotypical sense, like construction workers, but like anybody who does physical job, um, I feel like by the time they get older, often end up with some kind of physical malady ailment that they're like, I'm crippled because of this thing and my back hurts or whatever. Um, so I would feel like, you know, police, fire, uh, EMTs, wh whoever it is doing these kind of physical first responder kind of jobs, that they would need some kind of, as we already kind of touched on for like the general population, but maybe even more intensive in their case, some kind of like everyday maintenance program to hopefully make it so that when they reach retirement, they're not like, well, you know, I spent 30 years on the force and now I can't tie my own shoes. Like, right. you know, so is that, do you spend any time at all doing that or is that a consideration at all? Yeah. I mean, a lot of what we try to do with like, like that educational piece. And like I said, I'll go down every month and meet with them. We do injury checks, like, um, so yeah, part of that education part is injury prevention. Cause I mean, whether people realize it or not, depending on where you're at, like these guys and gals, especially the law enforcement, they get beat up, they get knocked around a lot. So, I mean, once, you know, you see a lot of post-surgical stuff, firemen too, you know, they get injured, you know, there's, there's a lot of dangerous stuff happening. We just kind of assume you got the, you know, big, strong, sexy guy that runs into the building. He puts the fire out the gal runs out, you know, everything's happy, you know, or the police off, you know, but, but I mean, they're just, there's a lot of different aspects to their job that put them at risk for a lot of different things. So, you know, yeah, our main emphasis is injury prevention. So we do a lot of screening with them trying to identify, you know, where their weaknesses might be and then educating them on, 
how to address those things. So trying to minimize injury, but they're, they're going to get, they're going to get banged around a lot. And then, you know, if you look at like my law enforcement guys, a lot of them, you know, are, are involved in jujitsu and various martial arts. So on, on top of their job, they're doing that, which also, again, you know, as an athlete, just if you're a pretty regular athlete, you're going to get hurt. Like yeah. it's, I, I have a martial arts background, so I understand. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, so you add that on top of some of the stuff they're doing and, yeah, there's a big potential for injury, um, which I think is why, you know, we really want to get in and, and, and work with this group because, you know, I think we can do a lot of good for them. We have, I mean, and uh, we're just continuing to kind of build our kind of presence and our footprint and our ability to, to kind of take it to the next, you know, next level of, of what we want to do with them and help them with. So it's been, it's been great. I mean, the guys I work with are super great. They're super open to anything we want to do. They're very receptive. They're very appreciative, and uh, so it's been it's been fun. It's been rewarding. It's been good in that aspect. So yeah, um, Chris. So as we're starting to wind down on time, um, for any longtime listeners, they know I like I do this every every season. I have a different question. I ask every single guest for that season. Um, so this season's question came to me from a friend, and she suggested this because not enough people do this so i put a lot of people on the spot with this question um but i think it's a good exercise for all of us to try to figure out so this season's question which i'd like to ask you now is how do you celebrate your wins how do i celebrate my wins yep and the wins is whatever however you define that that's not necessarily like oh you won like you were sparring and you won a match it's it's not that it's however you define wins like how, how do you take time to celebrate that hmm like if it, you know, if it's a more of a personal thing, uh, you know, I got through a tough workout that I really didn't want to do. For me, it's just kind of an internal thing. I just feel, you know, I just give myself a little pat on the back. I feel good about it the rest of the day. Uh, you know, if it, maybe it's something a little bit more professional, personal, maybe, you know, as a fan, me and my family go out to dinner, celebrate something that way. Um, sometimes it's, you know, if I'm working hard trying to do something, I just take a little time off. You know, I just kind of, chill out from the day to day, just grind, 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 trying to just continue to do whatever I'm trying to do. If I've accomplished just something or, you know, gotten something done, I'll just chill out, take a little time to relax, reflect on it, enjoy, just enjoy the, you know, the feeling of that accomplishment. So, I mean, like I said, I'm a pretty simple kind of laid back guy. I don't get too uh, sanctimonious about things, but yeah, those are probably the things that I, I would probably, or how I would probably celebrate those uh those wins beyond you know just jumping up and down with my arms in the air and you know in the back room where nobody can see me but <laughs> um chris i know that uh not big social media guy which is totally fine um uh, but i typically ask people if they want to reach out if there's any good way to reach you uh for you in particular i don't know if that just means if you're in the ohio state area coming to the clinic or reaching out but is there is there a good way to get in touch or is it just you know, maybe if you're law enforcement in that area, then reach out. Uh, yeah, just in my, in my email, chris.colbettosumc.edu. I mean, I love social media. I've, I've, I've tried to do social media. I, I end up just not having the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, oh, yeah. Back in the day when uh, it was called microblogging before it became Twitter. So I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to have this big blog. So I started it. And then I just, it, it's a lot of work. Like, yes. so for, for being consistent and, and, and putting your podcast together because it takes time. It takes effort. I find myself just not having the time between everything I want to be doing at work, family, my daughter, spending time with them. I just don't have the time. So I love the social media. I just, 
I just haven't really um, put a lot out there on a consistent basis like that. Yeah. So no worries. So if you if you need something for Chris or you got a question for him, uh, just send him an email. That's usually the best way to get in touch with me too. So yeah, I absolutely right. understand. Um, Chris, thanks for hanging out with me today. Yeah, it's been great. I appreciate you having me on, and uh, you know, good, good luck with everything uh, with you and the new baby. And uh, enjoy. Is your first one? Yeah. It's awesome. Girl, boy. Girl. Yeah, I got a girl. She's 19 already. Dude, it's going to go like that. <laughs> but I'm telling you, you know, teach them. Teach them about nutrition, fitness, you know, from the time they can understand your 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 voice. Don't pressure them. Just, just teach them and educate yeah. them. And, uh, it, I mean, it's cool to see. It's cool to see the development. Appreciate it.